Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to episode 27 of the Dine Sports YouTube page and podcast network. Today we are going to be sitting down with Roich Padhal, who is a track and field athlete on a scholarship at Georgetown University, so a big major Div 1 school there, but uh, originally from Canada here in Ottawa and moved around Canada a little bit there as a younger uh, athlete and ultimately got recruited to play south of the border and uh, had, had a Quite a few offers on the table there as well too because uh, while he was uh, a 16 year old he was putting up some numbers that normally you'd be seeing at close to olympic qualifiers or national team levels and um, some of the times that he put up obviously opened some eyes in terms of the the scouts and the coaches that were trying to recruit him and uh, that, that sort of uh, created additional opportunities for him outside of the normal U-sport or uh, local college networks there and major Div 1 schools were starting to take notice. Uh, he walks us through his journey as far as what that was like, what it's like, you know, south of the border, what his future goals are. He also suffered an injury, so what it, it was like sort of coming back from that as well too. So lots of uh, tangible things to unpack there. Hope you guys really enjoy it. Thanks for joining us today. We're sitting down with Roich Padhal. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. Um, uh, thank you for having me on the show today. Um, it's been a long time I've spoken to you, Kyle. I hope things are good on your end. How are you doing? Everything's doing really, really good on my end there. What about you? How are things down in Washington? Um, so, yeah, right now I'm at Georgetown University. Um, I'm here because I want to continue my studies. I could be home doing this virtual um online school but i really found that being at home was kind of uh um paid a toll on me given my focus like i feel like i paid more at, my, my focus is a lot better at school than it is at home which is why i decided to come back to the united states in washington dc and um continue on my education yeah yeah, yeah. well i i mean you, you just sort of hit on it right there and what a great place to sort of start with your journey you know i i, I know sort of a bit of your background but for for the listeners there you know what 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 is home life like you know what what's the family like where did you grow up all of that how, how did you get your start um so i can date this back all the way to ottawa which is where i fell in love with sports uh i used to live in deborah dimes uh, community housing and so in that neighborhood there's people from all different backgrounds um, so I had friends that were Somalian I had some friends that were um, I had some white friends I had some Asian friends it didn't really matter where my friends came back came came from ethnically at the end of the day we all went to the same school we all played the same sports um, and honestly it was it was a small community that I um that i'll always cherish in my heart just being a, a person from that neighborhood um uh we like uh, i i got involved mostly uh at the deborah dines family house where uh a friend of mine and uh and someone who i actually like is, who inspires me almost every day is uh andrew toulouse he was uh a guy who basically worked uh, went to school at algonquin college and came came through to the family house and um helped like he was basically a guy who came through and worked with the family house and made boys stay out of trouble because it's very easy to 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 get in trouble in that neighborhood i remember this one time when when i was little i would just hang out around with the bad guy the bad, not like the bad guys but guys that were 
uh, a lot older than me and who were just not aspiring much about their future. And uh, uh, we caused a little trouble. And um, boys and this boys group that uh, Andrew Toulouse had going was a way for boys in the neighborhood to kind of just um, have fun on a Friday night. And um, play all kinds of sports from handball, soccer, um, uh, soccer, dodgeball, and, and just numerous sports just to build a sense of community in that area. And, and through that, um, that program, I was able to make a lot of great friends. And we, we honestly carried that, those, the, that idea of playing sports into our neighborhood by playing at the basketball court. Um, when, I was, uh, when I was 12 to 13, uh, 12 years old, I started to take basketball a lot serious and aspired to um, make it to the NBA, uh, which is, I believe everybody has like very great aspirations and that was my aspiration as a young child, given that I was living in a neighborhood that was very, it wasn't the best neighborhood in the world, but we tried uh, every day, I try to make myself better at the sport because I knew that if I was the best in my neighborhood, the next step was to be the best in my city. Um, and from that point on, uh, province, country, you know, you know how, you know how the ladder goes. And so um, um, my history literally starts in that neighborhood, Deborah Dines, and honestly, I didn't really, um, my first step into attaining my goal was when I first played for um, the Ottawa Thunderbolts, which was actually a, um, uh, a basketball team that was run by the Boys and Girls Club with the help of Tim. Um, I didn't, I didn't really get to, Tim didn't really get to see me play until I played at the, when the Boys and Girls Club had a, a boys, um, it was actually, um, I don't believe, I don't remember if it's a mixed or boy, all boys basketball tournament, but at that basketball tournament, that's where I met Tim. Um, and he just recruited me. And I believe that I was the first one from my neighborhood to even, or even from my area to even like try out for this team, which was, which I bust to practice almost every day for 40 minutes. No, best, I bust, I took a 40 minute bus ride, sorry. Um, to this location, uh, to the Boys and Girls Club in Britannia to, to, to practice with the Ottawa Thunderbolts. Um, and, uh, and as of now, my teammates, um, Owen Boyvert, Javon uh, Westcarth, um, and a couple of other guys have, uh, who I played with actually played at a pretty high level. Um, I could say that Luol Cott um, played for C uh, Canadian Flight Academy and uh, who else? Uh, Owen Boyvert plays for Carlton University and Javon Westcard plays at the JUCO level. Um, all these guys that I played with growing up, we all had big aspirations and they're honestly achieving their dream. And I knew that one day that I could honestly attain something just, I, I wanted to be the best athlete I could be. It doesn't matter what sport it was. I knew that some, at some point I'm gonna reach the highest level possible in, any, in, in the sport that I desire. Um, yeah, and, and I, you know, you, that's just it too, right? You, you obviously yeah. grew up playing quite quite a few sports there, right? And yeah. At, at what point did you, at what point did track sort of <laughs> enter the realm of possibilities as well there too? Because you've already rattled off, you know, handball, dodgeball, you know, basketball, all sorts of other things there. You know, when did you start uh, figuring out that, hey, I'm also a pretty, pretty fast runner here as well too? Uh, I'll be honest. Um... 
when I was in middle school, I was pretty good at track. I remember winning um, cross country in grade eight on the Catholic school board, um, winning the 1500 meter and the 400 meter uh, races, and also winning a sprint midlay re relay for my middle school. And so this was board wide as well. So for me, I knew I was already talented for as a track athlete or just like, I knew I had the athleticism, but for me, the main focus was just basketball because I knew that at some point and I was like, I had cousins who were older than me um, who played basketball. And, and at some point I just wanted to be better than them. It's just being competitive, honestly, as a kid and just kind of proving yourself to others that you're capable of doing what you, what you want to do, such as playing basketball at a high level. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you've yeah. already mentioned you're, you're down in Georgetown and uh, yeah. you're, you're actually there running track for Georgetown Hoyas and all of that. I mean, Georgetown's a, a pretty prominent Div 1 school here. You know, how did that sort of come about where not only were you getting offers to run track north of the border, but also, you know, American schools started taking looks at you as well, too? Yeah. So, as you mentioned, um, you know, what got me into track really was when uh, I, 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 I was playing basketball. Um, I didn't run track in grade nine because I was living in Alberta. In 2004-13, I moved back to Ontario and um, I played basketball. I played basketball like I, like I planned to. And then track just came out of the blue. I really didn't train for track or had... Um, any aspirations to become a track athlete. It was more so just a way for me to be fit. And on my journey to being fit, I ended up being very, um, ended up competing at a very high level. Uh, ended up meeting this coach by the name of Janet Takahashi. She's a volunteer coach for the uh, University of Western Ontario's track, uh, track and field team. And um, she had helped me um, realize that I had the potential to become actually great at the sport like I knew I could be good at, at a sport but I didn't think I'd be I was in grade 10 someone who has no experience running competitively I ended up winning um the grade 10 800 meter um uh yeah grade 10 800 meter for for the 800 uh grade 10 800 meter final for also in grade 10 and that was my um first year competing as a as a track athlete and I was accomplishing a lot of a lot of things um and then the following year that's that's when I took the big leap so I was running I was run, I was competing at a high level uh, at that point in grade 10 I, I remember going to um Montreal for a uh the Canadian Youth Track and Field Championships and I ended up placing fourth at that meet being my first national i guess um track and field meet um and i saw that uh, i was the highest i finished i finished the best place for someone in my age category i was racing a year up and so the following year i had goals of making because i knew because uh, that same year i also qualified for the uh world world youth championship but i didn't um i didn't sign the consent form saying that i, I wanted to uh, my declaration form, I didn't sign the declaration form in time, so I wasn't eligible. Um, and so the following year, I had goals in that I wanted to make the World Junior Team. 
And, um, and to make the World Junior Team, I had to run 149.5, which you may not know is a pretty competitive time for college athletes. Um, and mind you this, I was 16 years old. So at 16 years old, I wanted to run like a college athlete at that age. So uh, when um, grade 11 came by, I, uh, I, I, I trained with my coach. Um, and with my coach, we were um, at, my, at the officer championship for senior boys. So mind you, this is the highest level you compete for um, the high, yeah, this is the highest category you can compete for the 800 meter in, in Ontario high school. I'd end up winning that in a convincing time of 149.6. So I was point one off. Um, and at that instant, just uh, a lot of coaches, not a lot of Canadian coaches actually started recruiting me. And, uh, and so a couple of weeks later, I ended up running 149.2, which was below the world junior standard. And so mind you this, I am 16 years old and I'm running times that 18 and 19 year olds should be running in the 800 meter competitively. Uh, and um, when I competed at the, the junior national meet, uh, this was the Olympic trials. So I was at the Olympic trials in Canada, in, uh, in Edmonton in 2016. And so when I was at that meet, I had actually ended up getting recruited by a bunch of coaches uh, who were interested in me, like uh, Nebraska, um, University of Tulsa, um, and just countless other schools that were um, looking for another 800 meter runner to join their, uh, to join their ranks. Um, and, and, and I was only in grade 11 and I was 16 years old and I honestly couldn't believe what I was achieving so quickly and given where I'm from um, and how much my work has taken me so far. Um, I was honestly, like, that's when I started get, getting the offers in grade 11. Um, and I, I don't, like, I'm also, like, I don't understand the magnitude of, like, I still don't understand the magnitude of the moment given that I was just competing honestly and i was doing stuff that 18 and 19 year olds were doing at that age yeah yeah were, were there any other schools other than georgetown that you were seriously considering before you ended up committing to yeah I, I ended up considering um uh, nebraska and georgetown at the end um nebraska have a history of of competing competitively with their track team so i was also, i was considering them um but what really separated Georgetown from Nebraska, from Nebraska was just the fact that they had a, um, they, they were highly ranked as a, as a school. And um, knowing how competitive I wanted to, I was, and um, I wanted to go to a school that also challenged me academically. And I, this is not, I'm not advising this for anybody, but you really have to, um, be about what you were like honestly be 100 percent dedicated to what you wanted to do long run because i've i've met a lot of people who are um who are who are just not they're probably not the smartest people in the world but they go work they'll work their tail off just to meet 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 their meet their goals at the end honestly yeah and i mean over the course of your career, you, you've run a, a couple different distances, right? You know, you've yeah. had 400 meters, 800 meters. Uh, you said you originally started out in the 1500 meters. Yeah. But if you had to choose, you know, your, your bread and butter, what, what's your specialty there? What, what's the race that you look forward to the most uh, on a meet weekend? Um, the, the race that I look forward to 
forward to the most really is the uh, is honestly the 800. Like this was a race that I did not want to run when I first started running. It was just given to me by my coach because he messed up with the the event selection and <laughs> in grade 10. And honestly, this is the only race that I feel comfortable running in and I feel like I could win. Um, and, and I feel, and just that winning attitude is just something I, I carry from just living in, in, um, in Deborah Dines because my old neighborhood, we used to brag who was the best, you know, even at the Boys and Girls Club, you had, you had to show everybody that you're the best. Like you couldn't lose, you couldn't lose day in and day out. Like I remember when I used to play at the Boys and Girls Club near Deborah Dines, there'd be boys, there'd be basketball nights. And honestly, I would go there every night saying that I'm not leaving here without winning. But like, I'd win every single game. I tried to win every single time. And that's one of the reasons why the 800 is one of my favorites because it doesn't matter. Like, I feel like this is the best race for me. And I know that I can compete at a very high level. Yeah. Like any other sport, any other uh, event, I'm confident in it, but I'm not that confident in comparison to the 800. It just comes instinct. Like, my instincts just go off. My intuition just goes off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, I mean, you know, for those who aren't super familiar with, uh, you know, track events there, um, there's obviously some huge, huge differences between how a marathon-style runner would train versus a sprint-style runner like yourself would train, right? And even if you yeah. sort of... Uh, put them side by side you, you think that they're sort of a different species of human just based on their body types there right you've got the yeah. distance runners versus you know almost built like a linebacker sprinters there so take us through like what does a typical week of training look like for you when you're in season like what what does your monday through friday look like on mondays is usually an easy day but with like a uh, weightlifting routine um, it's my day one of my weightlifting routine, so I lift twice a week. Tuesday is a workout day. Um, usually these days are more higher on mileage, so I'm doing more volume than I would on any other day. And it's more of a focus on the aerobic system and just getting that going and testing it out, making sure it's working at a high level. And then on Wednesdays are my days off. And that's only, it's given that I, well, I, I'll keep explaining, but um, there's a reason why Wednesdays are, day, are my days off. And so um, Thursdays are, are basically easy run days with a bunch of strides. So on those days, I'm doing um, not really hard sprints, but sprints to just keep my legs, just to get my legs spinning. Then Fridays are threshold days. So a threshold is basically a power, um, like a power workout. So it's just learning how to work with lactic acid and learning how to push through and that's how you build your power in in track and field so for example it'd be like uh, a w example of a workout would be um six by 300 with uh 90 seconds rest and you're running them at um 45 seconds which is equivalent to running at i think i believe 50 miles per hour and so yeah um that's an example of workout that i would do on a Friday and then Saturdays, I like to make them long runs. So they're on average um, between 60 to 70 minutes long. Um, I like to keep them at a um, somewhat like a medium effort. Some days I like them easy, depending on how hard I went the day before. 
or I like to take them hard if I didn't if I didn't really go hard the, the day before. So it's it, it depends on the day. So it can be a hard a hard long run or an easy long run. It depends on how I feel on that. Uh, Sundays are my easy run, so I'll go for a short run, which is between twenty to thirty minutes long, and that's an example of my week. And so that just carries on. So Monday, Monday, uh, easy run. Tuesday, workout. Wednesday, day off. Thursday, um, Thursday, easy run. Friday, workout. Saturday, long run, and then Sunday. Um, sun, yeah, Sunday is my easy day. And that's my day is like day in and day out. Yeah, as a, as an athlete. And how has you know obviously COVID has sort of thrown a wrench into not only the school systems but training and access to facilities and all of that. There, uh, like what they've already announced, and you know Big Ten football and you know SEC and all of that are rethinking how they're going to be rolling out programs. How has COVID affected? sort of how track and field is going to be going on uh, this year for you guys? Um, I'm very, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, like I, I can't really speak about this because this is something that my coaches are, are always speaking about in their corner. So like as an athlete, it's just a matter of me just continuing to stay fit and making sure that when it's time to go, I'm ready to go. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're yeah. just in, in wait and see mode, and you know, stay ready type thing. Then. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I mean, you're you're going into your senior year now, and you know, obviously freshman year very different than senior year. Freshman year, you're, you're probably deer in the headlights, sort of looking around, big campus, you know, just getting your feet wet. Senior year, yeah. the, this is sort of your, your your last kick at the can here. What what sort of goals are you setting for yourself? this year assuming everything rolls out normally and all the events happen normally and all that let's put COVID aside here what what sort of goals do you have for yourself this year um this year I'd honestly like to become like so the last few years I've been pretty hurt with uh injuries and I've been learning how to um adapt with these injuries so uh, after my grade 11 year I actually fractured my kneecap and from that uh, standpoint, I was more so like I kind of, it put like a big stop in my, in my progress. Um, but the year after, I actually ran faster, and that was because I was actually training more adequately. I was training more often. I was only training in high school probably for like three three to four months. Now I'm tra- training for twelve months, and so. Uh, my my goals honestly is to try and like I want to run I, I, like I, at some point I want to run, run at a high level and run for Team Canada for the Olympics, um, especially for 2021. Like I want to make sure I want to qualify for the 2021 Olympics and, and to do that to do that, I would need to run 140 145 two and lower and lower. So um, that's my that's my ultimate goal right now. Um, and uh, there, I have a bunch of other goals underneath, which is like graduating from school. You know, that's that's one big up right there. I'll be the first one in my family to graduate from a from university, so that'll be bigger than life. Mm-hmm. You know, I can always run, but you know, if I'm not really doing anything, that's like that would be a life achievement for me. Graduating from university—that's one of them. And um, and yeah, that's like one of my goals right there. Like those are my two top goals: graduating and at least. Uh, trying to like, at least 
try to get a spot on the Canadian national team when it comes to the 800 meter and compete at Tokyo 2020, uh, 2021. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, there's obviously anyone who goes south of the border, all you have to do is drive by, you know, a high school football stadium and realize like the facilities are different down there. They, they take their yeah. sports very seriously in high school, college, all, all the way up there. Mm-hmm. What would you say is one of the biggest differences in terms of just the facilities and the mentality around sports that the Americans have versus how high school sports are run in Canada type thing? Uh, one thing about, um, like the way I see it in Canada, it's like we make sports seem more than life. Like we try to make children understand that sports is a pastime that you shouldn't be trying to make a living out of it. Whereas like over here, it's almost like you can make a, like there's an opportunity, there's a monetary value to making some, to playing sports. And that's how you should see sports. There's some monetary value to it. And um, yeah, that's honestly the big difference, you know, like that's why they have the big stadiums. That's why they have the better facilities because that's all these athletes do. They train in, they go in the, the, the training room, like it's, like it's a job and they come right back out and they clock out day in and day out. Whereas over here, we kind of just take it nice and easy. You know, we tell the kids to go play, have fun. Simple as that. You know, you get your participation award. Um, but here it's cutthroat. And um, I feel, and honestly, like, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to come here. I wanted to see where I can back against the best of the best. Yeah. If you had a, you know, magic wand and you could change you know, one thing uh, in Canada so that the athletes are better supported. What do you think that would be? Would it be facilities? Would it be coaching? Would it be access to equipment? What do you think needs to change? Um, in terms of change, um, I wouldn't really, like, I could, there's so many things that I can think about at the same time. I'm also blank. Um, <laughs> Given that I've always surrounded myself around the people with the best, um, who know the route to to becoming the best athlete. Like I lived in Ottawa for nine years and saw that where I lived was probably the best place for me to be the best basketball player. Um, and then um, I in that neighborhood, I'm in my old neighborhood. I was fortunate enough to go to a facility that was open six days no five days a week tuesday through through saturday and be able to play basketball um and i think it's just a matter of like allow um this more access to um athletic facilities like i believe that the more access children have to uh athletic facilities the easier it is for kids to play sports and i've lived in different multiple cities where um there's not really a community center or an athletic center that these children can go to and have fun and meet other, meet other people. Um, and I was fortunate enough, to, fortunate enough to live in Deborah Dimes where there was the Boys and Girls Club that was right near my house. Um, if I didn't have that, and I, I believe till this day that I wouldn't be the person I am, um, given the opportunities that I was given in my neighborhood and the community, and the community, a sense of community that was built through sports in those areas, honestly. I think that's what it is. Um, just having community centers that are building a sense of, um, uh, building a sense of community through sports and allowing kids with um, 
not that strong of a financial barrier to at least participate in these sports and, you know, just stay out of trouble and enjoy and actually enjoy their own childhood. Yeah. And, you know, looking back on it all, um, you know, what kind of advice would you give to 13 year old you that you know now? You know, is is there one thing that you you wish, oh, man, if I only had known this back when I was 12 or 13 would have been so much easier. Um, I was 13 years old, I tell myself. Um. It's, I don't, I actually, so to be honest, I feel like I am the same person I was when I was 13. Um, Like, there's not really any advice that I tell myself because I was always being given advice. Like, you know, stay away from those guys. Um, uh, Don't do this, don't do that. Um, The only thing that I tell myself to do would honestly just, to write down my goals. I didn't write my goals down until I was 14. No, when I was 15 years old. When I was 13, I was not writing my goals down. I knew more, I knew what my goals were. I just never wrote them down and said, like, I'm actually going to go after them. Because I know a lot of people today who still, even 20-year-olds, 21 years old, they, they don't know exactly what they want to do. And just having that, just writing, just writing it down makes it a lot easier. It's just another step forward to knowing exactly what you want to do in life. And given that I had aspirations to become a NBA player at a young age, uh, were my aspirations as a young kid. Um, it helped me, like, even though I didn't um, uh, achieve my ultimate goal of becoming an NBA player, um, my goals do change along the way. Your purpose does change as you, as you, as you reach your ultimate goal. So I'm not saying, like, okay, write down your goal and that's who you want to be deep down. Just knowing, like writing down your goals is important in that it basically just shapes your personality in a way that makes you a better person and helps you realize, um, and it gives you a sense of purpose. And it's really hard at a young age to understand what you want to do at, at, that, at that age of being, of an, of an adult. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, uh, Given the fact that number one, you know, you, you think of athletes coming from Canada, you instantly go to okay, hockey, big export right there. Da, da, da. Yeah, you know, and you could probably list probably another eight or nine sports before you start thinking track or track and field events. And, and yeah, all that, right. So, w- what kind of advice if there is a kid who's watching this right now who their goal is to whether it's you know a Div One scholarship or get noticed at the U Sport level here in Canada or whatever, you know what advice would you give them on how to sort of market themselves or how, how to get noticed or on coaches radars as far as, you know, taking that next step in their track and field journey? Um, the best way to get to that next goal is honestly to talk to these coaches and let them know how inspired you are or not really inspired or how dedicated you are to, to running at that next level. Um, because coaches are really looking for people that are, um, they're looking for athletes in any sport that are willing to put in the effort. Like, yes, you can be talented, but at the end of the day, are you gonna put in the effort to become that athlete? Um, and if you're a kid right now listening to this, if you know anybody that's, that you feel is a great mentor, address that person and let them know that you want, you want them to show you 
ways that you can become a better person or just become a better athlete because those people have done it before. If you know some person that's that was a really good basketball player before in your neighborhood, um, ask or went to your school, ask them what did they do day in, day out, ask them simply um, what they've been doing. And it's, we're only, you're only going to move forward if you understand the mistakes of those in the past. You know, that's what they say in history, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it is such a, a big thing. There were, were there any, you know, mentors specifically? I know you mentioned uh, one track coach and, you know, Tim from Boys and Girls Club already there. But was yeah. there anyone who sort of kept you on the straight and narrow as far as, you know, okay, th- my goal is to get a Div 1, you know, track scholarship here. But maybe in after your injury, right, you started to doubt yourself or whatever. Did you have that person in your life who sort of, you know, kept you focused, kept you motivated, whether it was a family member or whatever? Um, so, yeah, uh, the, the one thing that was very difficult for me was when, when I did get injured, it was very difficult for me to communicate to people because I've, I, I felt half as a person. Um, I didn't feel like I was the best person. I wasn't the person I was a couple months ago. I, I felt handicapped. I felt as if not like the world ended, but like, if I could, like, if I had, if I lost the person I was before, like, now there were moments where I, I, I consider, like, considered taking, I don't think a gap year, but it was just like, I had thoughts that were processing through my head um, about whether or not um, I was going to be the same person after my injury. Um, did I have people that were around me that, that kept me level-headed? Um, the only people I could would say were my uh, my coach Janet Takahashi, and she always wanted to, she always wanted to see how I was doing with an injury and how I was recovering. Um, but honestly, given I have a I have a pretty big family, and my family is one of the reasons why I felt like I got through my injury because um, they've always seen they they saw me struggle and they're the ones who were there with me every day, asking me if I needed help with anything. Um, and I honestly don't take my family members for granted, like because I live with them, and they honestly um, kept me level-headed. If if I didn't have them, I would be in a very dark place right now. And I don't want to say that um, I I wouldn't be a track athlete right now. I'm saying is um, they kept my mental health at a better at a very good level. That I appreciate their company, even if I couldn't really go anywhere uh, at bay. I, like I honestly appreciate their where um, for them being in my life. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, the family is so important, and you know, so sh- shout out to mom and dad and brothers and sisters, all, all of that. Yeah, you know, but um, it, it, for, if there was a kid who, who who did have you know questions or or wanted to learn more about sort of your journey, there, like, uh, how could people get a get a hold of you? Is it best through you know social media, or is it, where where can people find you? Um, the best place to contact me would be on. Instagram, I am private, but if you follow me, um, I will follow you back. And my my DMs are always open. So if you have any questions in mind about just really anything, you wanted to just have a conversation about life, I'm more so open about it. Uh, I I I'm I'm someone who's been, who's met a lot of people, so I'm not I'm not shy to talk to someone who wants to get to know me. Yeah, yeah. 
Awesome. Well, you know what? Thank you so much. You know, everybody's for- got their own story. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Dine Sports YouTube page and podcast network. As always, huge thank you goes out to our guest today, Roach Padhile. Best of luck to him with this upcoming season and whatever that ends up looking like down at uh, Georgetown University there and wishing him all the best in his uh, future goals and making sure that uh, he stays safe and healthy and hopefully he can uh, put up some really, really good times coming off an injury and um, making some strides towards uh, making the national team Olympic qualifiers and all, all that other good stuff there. As always, if you liked what you saw, make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe. Uh, we've also got various social media outlets that we'd love to connect with you guys on there too. All of them at Dying Sports. That's on all the big three there, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. So uh, we've got some more great guests coming up next week. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Stay tuned.